Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. And uh, if you don't have your app, have your something that you can reference the Word of God, and uh, we're going to get busy. Today, I'm going to give you the five, uh, I guess you could say, God's five non-negotiables of giving. God's five non-negotiables. They're just not negotiable. You, you can argue as much as you want, but, you know, that's like, you know, pressing up against the goad, as the New Testament says, you know. You can push up against God, but God can push you back. You know, so if these are just simply five non-negotiables of giving. But before I do that, we all need to know something. That our God, the God that we serve, or at least most of us here, maybe some of you are in that place where you're wondering, should I serve him? Am I, should I jump into this or should I not? And uh, a lot of questions, that's good. I'm glad you're here. And you're going to hear something about our God that we serve today and just his nature, his character, what our experience has been. Those of us have been walking a little longer, but maybe you're just kind of like maybe jumping in a little bit. Well, great for you. You're going to hear something today. This is for you too. So our, one thing I want you to know is our God is a giving God. That's who he is. It, it, it's his nature. I mean, you want to know who God is if someone asked you, and maybe someone asked you, like, who is your God? He's a giver. That's what he does. He gives. And he gives again and again. And there's no end to this. He just keeps giving. Our God is a giver. That's what he is. Maybe you'll understand it better this way if I give a little bit different illustration. Many of you probably know 1 Corinthians 13. It's, even if you haven't even read the Bible at all, you know this love chapter, as it's called. And, and, and you can go there if you'd like, but I believe it's going to be, I, I always have a screen behind me, over there this time, uh, over there with us. So uh, let's take a look at that. Because God gives, because as we know from the Word of God and our own experience, God is love. That's, I mean, he's a giver, but God is love, and love gives. Well, let me just explain to you just from this, as you can see it very, very easily, why God's a giver, and God is love, because love is kind. Doesn't it say that? Yeah. Love is kind. Well, well, if you're kind, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the other person. If you're thinking about the other person, you want to make sure that you bless them in some way. It could be material. It could be something you do for them. It could be something you serve, but kindness gives. It also says love does not envy. Well, if you're not jealous of the other person, you're not, you're not wondering what, what they're getting and what you're not getting, you have no problem taking something of yours and giving it to the other person because you're not envious because you know God's going to provide for you because that, that's what love does. Love doesn't envy. Love gives. If you'll notice there, it says love is not proud. Hey, look, I made this money. I built this house. I worked for this kind of thing. It's mine. It's my car. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give something that's mine. I, I worked all my life for this. But love is not proud, so love gives and has no problem in giving. He also says love is not self-seeking. It's, it's, it's not all about me. I mean, the stuff that I have is not about, like, 
I, I acquired this and, and I got to keep acquiring this because, you know, I never know if I'm going to have enough or I'm going to have any more, you know, so I, I got to keep this. No, 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 love doesn't feel that way. Love doesn't think that way. Love isn't self-seeking. Love gives. Love simply gives. It keeps no records of wrongs. So I'm not worried about, you know what, hey, look, that person did, wrong. That person did me wrong. I'm not giving them anything. Those kind of people, I don't like them. All my experience with them has been negative, and they've always taken from me. I don't, they have nothing, they, they never do anything good for me, so I'm not going to give them a thing. Love doesn't think that way. Love gives. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't envy. Love is not proud. Love's a giver. Love's a giver. It's not self-seeking in that it's always mine. Love's a giver. And that's why love is always will be a giver. And if we have love in our hearts, we will give. And we'll have no problem in giving. We won't be clenched fence giving. We won't be swappers where if you give me, I'll give you this if you give me that. But rather we'll be open-handed givers where we will simply just give as a part of our nature, as a part of our character. Why? Because God dwells in us. God does something for us. He's, he's changing us. See, love isn't love, though, if you really think of it. Love isn't love unless it does something. I mean, you can feel love. You can think lovely thoughts, but that's not love. That's just lovely thoughts. Love isn't love until you do something with that loving thought. Love is, is, love is, is not just an activity where you just do it once in a, or twice. Love is far more than that. It's a character trait. It's who you are, just like who God is. And God proved his love. And some of you even know this. You've even heard this somewhere. And somewhere, I've heard it before. It says, for God so loved the world. Wow, you've heard that too? <laughs> for, for God so loved the world that he, ooh, there's an important word. He gave. It's part of the nature of God. It's part of the nature of love. And he loved us so much. In fact, he loves the whole world, whether you're a believer or not. It really doesn't matter. He loves us so much that he gave. What did he do? He gave his son. He gave it all. He gave his life. He gave his son. He gave his blood on the cross. Because You see, that's what love does. Love gives. And that's who God is. He did this so you and I could become sons and daughters of the living God. Through faith. As sons and daughters, he wants us to become like him. I mean, what, what mother, what father doesn't want their little kid to look at uh, the good parts? <laughs> my wife has no desire for my kids to act like me like I do, because I, I have this anger issue. Some of you do, some of you don't. I do. That's the way that goes. They never want my sons to act angry like dad has acted it's angry before God's done a precious work. Praise God. Thank God for that. But all the good traits, don't we always say, oh, you look like your mom. That's the daughter, that is. And, you know, you, you know like, oh, look, you're strong. Look, you, 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 know, you work hard like your dad and all those other kind of things and, and all the other character traits that you might have. You always want your kids. Well, Father God wants his kids to act like him too. And a great part of that is giving. Because our God's a giver. Because love gives. And if he dwells in us, and he makes us his son and daughter, then he wants us to act out his personality and his character trait. 
I mean, it's only reasonable. He wants to be proud of us like we'd be proud of our sons and like our daughters, just like I heard a mom up here just a few seconds ago so proud of her son. See, giving is a sign that God is transforming us. If we're finding a hard time of giving and opening up our hands and giving unto the work of the Lord or anything else, then what we're really finding is that the Lord isn't really transforming us. He may have changed your speech a little bit. You may be able to act right, but the reality is he's not changing your character traits unless you're finding that in yourself that you're finding yourself a giver. Maybe you never were before, and that's okay, but God is transforming you into the likeness of his son so that you become, like him, a giver. Because that's the nature of God, and that's the nature of God in us. In fact, God, giving is so much a part of the character of God that he has wired up the whole universe, all of his creation, to bless those who give. The world is just the opposite. They feel as though if you keep, you obtain, you know, you accumulate, those are the ones who are blessed. But God has not wired up the world to bless those who are stingy, who keep, and who hoard. And that's why Paul tells us his secret. And, you know, I'm going to have you do something that you probably don't normally do here, but maybe you do. I have no clue what your tradition is here and don't care. No, I shouldn't say that, you know. But at any rate, (laughs) I want you to stand up now and let's read the word of God together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. If you're looking it up, and maybe it's going to appear here for us. Woof, this is so good, technology. Okay, are we ready? Can you do this together? Let's try it. Remember Great job. You may be seated. Great job. Now, I want you to put that in your head, invest it in your heart, not just say it, you know, because we all stood and said it. So let's start off here. I told you I was going to give you the five God's five non-negotiables of giving. Here's the first one. The five non-negotiables of God's giving. It, 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 this is the truth behind what we just read. God owns everything. That's it. You can, you can write it down. That's a, that's a fact. God owns everything. The psalmist himself said, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That that pretty much includes everybody. Now, until that really gets deep into your heart and into your character, you're going to have a hard time dealing with the other four non-negotiables of God's giving. I can tell you that. This is primary. This is first. You got to realize who owns everything you've got, and that is God. And and I'm going to prove it to you, okay? I'm going to prove it to you just for that. But until that gets deep in your heart, you're going to have that hard time. So we all talk about our stuff, don't we? My possessions, that kind of stuff. The simple fact is we own nothing. We own nothing, just absolutely nothing. See, God has called us to be the managers of all the stuff right from the beginning. Tell me, who gave the Garden of Eden to Adam? Did Adam build that garden? Did he make the wall that surrounded it? 
Did he put the fruit in the flowers so he didn't have to eat, so he didn't have to work? He, nothing. From the very beginning, God wanted to understand that he was a giver. He was going to provide. He was going to bless. He was going to give. If you walk in righteousness with him, he, he, this is our God. He's a giving God. Amen. He loves to give. Not only that, he wanted to set the precedent. Adam, you, this is not yours. The earth and all that's in it, it's mine. But I give it to you. And he's doing the exact same thing to us. He has given us so many blessings. And I'm going to even show you more of the blessings that he's given to us. I think that some of you will be amazed. The amazing thing is that I find that though God has given us all of this and all that we have, he gives it over to us and says, manage it. Now look around. Look around to the people around you. Would you give all your money and all your possessions to them to manage? No stinking way would I give you all my stuff. I just want to let you know. No way. But yet God loves you so much, he gives it to you to manage. I mean, you got to wonder why sometimes. Look around. The days we live, those are given to us by God. The positions that we hold, by God. The children that we have raised and been blessed with, given by God. The people that we influence, those opportunities, all given by God. The homes that we live in, apartments that we live in, the things that we use, the money that we have, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. It's, it's, It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? Because we work all this to get our stuff you know, to manage, to be able to live, to live a decent life. It's it's almost counterintuitive. And it's tough to kind of get your head around the fact that it's really not yours, it's God's. And it's been a man, and he's the one to manage it. Martin Luther once once said, and it's kind of a joke, we know that to come to Christ, you only have to come to Christ once. We we, we got that. You know, there's not multiple conversions and all that kind of stuff. But he he almost said it jokingly. He he said this, "There, there are three conversions for the typical Christian. One's a conversion of the heart, you know, when we feel it and we want it and we desire it and we're motivated to it. Another one's of the brain, you know, when we think of it and we understand what God has done for us and that kind of thing. And the other one's of the purse. And he says, and the third conversion, that's the hardest conversion. Who wants to give that up? Moses himself wrote, you shall remember the Lord your God, for he alone gives you the power to get wealth. He alone gives you the power to get, well, it's in the book of Deuteronomy if you ever want to look it up. See, apart from God's grace, his favor upon you, which is great, and his empowerment, we have nothing. God owns everything. If you can just get that in our heads, God owns everything. Second, God's, God's non-negotiables of giving is simply this. God's work has to be supported by God's people. I mean, do you really expect everybody who doesn't believe to come and pour their money into what God's doing? Would you have done it? Before you were a believer, would you, hey, could you give me like 10 grand? Just pour it into the church and, you know, great, thank you. You wouldn't do it. Nobody would out there. It's only God's people who's going to support God's work. The followers of Messiah, Jesus Christ, support the work of God. It's a partnership. He gives it to us, we manage it, and he allows us to give a portion to his work. See, God set us straight when he first formed his own people, people of Israel, when he he wanted to put together a people. He he delivered them out of Egypt, didn't he not? Some of you know the story. 
I mean, soon afterward, God's, uh, Moses went up to God on the mountain of Mount Sinai, and, and he, he came down, you know, shining the glory of God all about him, and, and he had a word from the Lord, and, and, and it went to the word to the people, and it, it says it in, in Exodus chapter 35. It, 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 it speaks, it says, this is what the Lord has commanded. He's telling his people what the Lord has commanded. He's given a direct word from God. From what you have. From what you have. In other words, I've given it to you, but from what you have right now, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, not forced, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Right from the very beginning when he wanted to form a people. And here we are, a people of God. So right from the very beginning. See, the important thing to know is this is something that everybody could participate in. It wasn't for the elite. It wasn't for the wealthy. It wasn't for the poorest of the poor, and it wasn't to take from someone who couldn't have. It, no, everybody could participate. You could bring something. You could bring some bronze if you, didn't, if, if you didn't have gold, or you could bring some gold, or you could bring some silver. But whatever you had and you wanted to give unto the Lord because of your love and God had transformed your spirit so that you were like him and you were a giver, bring that something unto the house of the Lord. What did he do with that stuff? What did he do with that stuff, right? He built the tabernacle. The tabernacle that we all might come in and worship the one God. God's people have to give and support God's work. You see, what he was giving them was an opportunity. Not only could they participate, but he was giving them an opportunity to act like God. Because God gives. Ordinary people who are living outside of God do not give on a general basis. It's not in their heart. They may be forced to, compelled to. It might be to their advantage to do it. It might further their own you know, self-esteem or whatever the case might be or kind of assuage some of their guilt. But they don't simply give. God simply gives. Now, where did that gold, silver, and bronze come from? Here we go again. <laughs> you, do you remember? <laughs> It came from God, absolutely. But the reality is it wasn't it, it, uh, the people of Israel anyway. The people of Egypt gave it to them. And it, I know some of them probably would have said something like, well, wait, wait a minute. I've been a slave for 470 years, me and my people. So I mean, that's mine. I deserve it. I work for it. I more than work for it. The little gold and silver they gave to me was not 470 years of, of labor. So that's really mine. But the reality is, God caused the Egyptians. The Egyptians weren't going to give them a dime. God caused the Egyptians to give them that money. It wasn't theirs. Now God said, bring it unto the house if you're willing. And when you look at it, God has caused you to have what you have too. From the very beginning, God has been trying to teach his people that giving is a lifestyle. Giving is a character trait. It's not just a one-time activity that we come, oh, yeah, okay, i got to give. It, it, it's something that comes from within. It comes from the character of God being worked inside you and inside of me. It should come naturally. That's why he said willingly, cheerfully, joyfully. See, the reality is you can give without God. And people who don't have God in their life at all do give. You can give without God, but you can't have God and not give. Let me give you the third non-negotiable, okay, of giving. 
God holds every person accountable. Every person, believer or non-believer, doesn't matter. Every person accountable. He holds, you see, faithfulness over time is the main characteristic of a true child of God. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you check out the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness is one of the key fruits of the Spirit. And faithfulness in giving and faithfulness in having a giving heart and characteristic is part of a child of God. And keep doing it. Not just once. Not when you're coerced. Most certainly not. But rather because that's who you are. What does your record look like? If God were to look at your giving record, here in this church or however in your life or whatever the case might be, what does your giving record look like? Would you say it's faithful? It would, it would say, oh, that's a faithful person. Would you, you say, oh, sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. But the reality is, I mean, wh- who do you want to be is more important. Let, let's say the past is behind us. Praise God, you know. Let, let's start on a new leaf. Like, who do you want to be in all of your giving? Let me give you a, uh, you see, the fact is, you and I are rich. You just need to, so, no, I am a wealthy person, quite wealthy. I've been around the world, and I have seen a lot of, a lot of the continents, I've been there, a lot of the nations. And I've seen what they have, and I've seen what we have as Americans. We are wealthy. And I don't care what you are here. You're well, let me put it this way. If you have, on average, your whole household, so if you have a, a husband and wife, or if you're just a single parent, it doesn't really, if, a whole, if you make $50,000 a year, okay, and you make, that's your average, okay, for the whole household, do you know how much you make by the time you're ready to retire? $2,250,000. You're a multimillionaire. My question is this, what have you done with it? If you make $75,000... Okay, and a lot of us do. I mean, we live in New York. We live in this greatest area. And, you know, $75,000, the whole household. That's what we make on average a year. You know how much you make? $3,375,000. You're almost $4, million, almost $4 million. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? And if you make 100, you know, it's easy. You make $4.5 million in the course. If you make 100000 you make $4.5 million in your lifetime. Now, if I came up to you and said to you, okay, here, here's a million dollars, you'd be like praising God for me. I mean, you don't know, even know me from Adam, but you'd be saying, that's a wonderful person. Whoa, what a giver. Say, I am rich, I am rich, I made a million dollars. No, you made four million dollars. God made you, gave you four million. I only gave you a million. God's a giver. You've been blessed. You've been enriched. Stop with the poverty mindset and start with the blessed mindset because that's who God's made you as a child of God. But the reality is he's going to hold you accountable for it as well. This is what the word of God says. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust be proved faithful. Prove themselves faithful. Faithfulness is part of the fruit of God's spirit as he works in us. But it's not just money. It's influence. I'm not just talking about, it's not dollars and cents. I just did that as an illustration. Let's not even concentrate on that. Let's talk about your influence. Are you using your influence to bring people into the kingdom of God? Are you using your influence for for this house to spread the word that there is a resurrection church somewhere? And I'm not talking about influence with powerful people or influential people. I don't care about them. I care about the people in your circle. Who can you influence? 
Are you using your influence, the fact that they love you, are you using that love to bring them into the greatest love into the whole wide world? And that is in the kingdom of God. It's more than influence. It's connections. What connections do you have in the business world? What connections do you have in your neighborhood? What connections do you have in the city? What connections do you have anywhere and everywhere among your relatives? What opportunities have God given you? Are you sharing that and making sure that the kingdom of God is blessed with those opportunities as well? It's not just about money. It's about what about your available time? Are you pouring it in? Is you ministering to other people? Are you discipling others? Are you doing something in the house of God and making sure that at least 10% of your waking hours are given to the work of the Lord? I'm not talking money. Because you've been given all of these things. By God. Your talents. How can the vision of this house of God happen without the people of this house giving to it? with your opportunities, your, your time, and, and, and your, your influence. You see, I find that this house, from the, I'm looking from the outside in. And I've been a pastor 30 years. I'm looking at this house, and I'm seeing it bursting with potential. I mean, it's like a field that someone has just planted, you know, bulbs in the wintertime, and, 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 they're, and they're waiting for it. And spring is about here, just bursting forth through you. Because you're, you're, you're like a seed just ready to sprout out. You haven't even realized the potential in which you have. Even if you've been here 10 years, you haven't grown to what God wants you to be. God is something far greater for each and every one of you. I don't care how old you are. I am retirement age. I'm supposed to be officially retired. I'm 66. You know, put in a, a little house and, you know, drink, I don't know, insure all day long. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. But I really don't think that I've, 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 I've reached it, my, my potential in Christ Jesus. And neither of you. The bishop has. He's old. <laughs> Poor guy, you know. Yeah. He's been retired for years. <laughs> but like God, we're called to be generous. Even sacrificial givers of our time and our influence and all that. Giving, see, giving is like tithing. It has nothing to do with money. Nothing. It has everything to do with your heart. It has everything to do with who's your first priority. It has everything to do with your faith. Who do you really believe is your provider and owns everything and has given you everything? And if he's given you 100% and, you, you know, you don't think he can make you survive, not only survive but thrive on maybe... 90%? It's happened in my life. I think he can. The fourth of God's non-negotiables of giving is give wisely and give generously. Just like our faith, God does not exact ask you to come into this faith like just blind. Oh, geez, whatever it's... No. That's why he had his son publicly crucified on the cross. Witnessed by thousands and thousands of people. Something happened there. God is delighted when you give out of a willing and out of a joyful heart, out of wisdom, knowing what you're doing, who you're giving it to, why you're giving it. And, and isn't that what we just said? When we all stood and we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, isn't that exactly what it says, that we're supposed to give joyfully, willingly? Or don't give it all, in essence. But he also wants us to give wisely. Remember, we're the managers. Managers are supposed to do things out of thought, out of process, out of planning. He wants to give us, he, we're the managers, so we're supposed to do this wisely. He doesn't want us to invest his resources and, and waste them. 
We need to put him first and ask him, what is his will? How would he like us to manage what he has given us? And I'm not talking about the church. Yes, that's true of the church. But it's more important that you ask God that same questions or those questions. I mean, if you work for a company, whatever company you work for, don't, don't, don't you manage your part of the company, whatever that is, for the benefit of the greater company? You don't manage it for yourself. If you keep doing it for yourself, you'll get fired. But rather you manage it for the betterment of the whole company. If you own a company, don't you expect your employees, when they're working for you, to work in such a way that it would benefit the whole company? Well, why would God and God's house be any different? He wants you, as a shareholder in the house of God, to manage your resources and the resources of this church in a wise way. When we give or we spend money, I mean, we need to be asking of our own personal money, I'm talking about, or our own personal time, or opportunities, or whatever the case is, will this be pleasing to you, God? Father, you've given me all of this. How would you like me to invest it or what to do with it? Jesus even gave parables about this. Does this fit in what you've called me to be in your body, God? Am I spending this according to your principles and not my wants and my desires? See, wise managers of God's things joyfully choose to support God's work and do God's will in a wise, planned way. But you may be thinking, Pastor, 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 I have tried and I am trying. I've tried so many times, but my finances are so messed up. I'm so far in debt. I understand that. Why don't we be wise about that? And let's say this. We're not just going to put the 10% in God's hands. Why don't we put 10, 100% in God's hands and manage? I'm not saying give it away. I'm saying you keep that 90%. All I'm just simply saying is this. Manage it all according to God's principles. Since he's wired the whole world up as givers, don't you think that there'll be a blessing in that? And what I'm talking about is stop managing the money and the resources and the time and the effort that you have in a way that maybe you've learned from your family's model. Maybe you've learned it from the outside. Maybe you've learned it. Put it in God's order. It can be done in God's priority. Let me give you the fifth. The fifth of God's negotiables is God expects commitment, not contribution. Now, that, now that I put it that way so you could slice in two extremely important words. God expects commitment, not contribution. But I want you to write down something. I want you to squeeze two very important words in there. Here, here it goes. I hope you have your pens ready. You got your pen ready to go? I even have my pen right here, okay? Squeeze these two words. God expects equal commitment, not equal contribution. Equal commitment. The the wealthier the person is, the the more substantial a gift that they give. It depends upon your resources and what you have. It's not a matter of, oh, this one gave this much, this one gave that. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. Because you see, a wealthier person may give far more than you give, or you may be a wealthy person and you may be seeing other people giving less, and you say, well, I'm giving more. No, 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 no. You got to understand, you're not giving sacrificially. The poorer person who only has maybe a quarter of what you have is giving less than what you are, but they're giving sacrificially. 
There's a difference. Their commitment is higher because they're giving sacrificially, though their contribution may actually be less. The key word here is sacrifice. Why? Because sacrifice means commitment. If you're not sacrificing, you're not committed. To give sacrificially, it's got to cost you something. In other words, you have to give something up, not just give something away. You have to give something up to be committed, not just give something away. Let me give you a great story. Some of you know it. It's in uh, uh, the book of Mark. And uh, Jesus, he deliberately did this. And I know discipling is a part, and is a part of the core of what this church is all about. And I love discipling. To me, it's the heart of every good church. And, and Jesus gathered his disciples together. And he made them stay there for days. You, he, I mean, hours. I mean, you just imagine. He brought them up to the temple. It's to, up, he had to walk these big stairs. And they went up to Solomon's colonnade. It's a place. And there was the treasury. And you saw rich people chunking in their big change. Cha-ching in the treasury. Oh, look what I've given you. Cha-ching, cha-ching. And you saw some other people, you know, bringing in a little bit less of that and that kind of stuff. And everybody bring into the treasury. And, you know, the disciples are there, Jesus, for crying out loud. You know, jeez. I've been here for two hours. Where are we going to watch these people? They keep bringing this stuff in over and over and over. Finally, this little woman comes in, and all she brings in is, you know, like what's called a widow's mite. It's, it's like less than a penny, and... She brings it up to the thing and just put in, because everybody's laughing. You know how it is when it's all public. Everybody's looking at what they're doing. And she just brings in a little bit and then she kind of walks away. You can imagine some of the other people. Oh, she gave almost nothing. Oh, come on, give me a break. What's it with it? And Jesus asks him, of course, he says, who gave more? Who gave more? You know, they'd be wondering, oh, uh, is this a trick question, Jesus? You're known for that. A lot of trick questions. And so they said, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, she did. <laughs> you know how it is, you know, when you're answering class, you know, questions in class, you don't know how to say it. You always do it with a question mark at the end. She did? You know, <laughs> yeah, she did. She gave sacrificially. She had nothing else. She gave all that she had. Where others just gave surplus. Simply surplus. True commitment gives sacrificially. Sacrifice always results in a personal cost to the giver. You know, Jesus taught that lesson to his disciples. Then he, then he became the lesson. He gave everything, even his life. While we were still sinners, while we were in rebellion, while we had nothing to do with him, he stretched out his arms. Because, you know what he said? He said this to the world. This is what love is. This is what giving really is when you give your all, when it really costs you something for God. This is what commitment looks like. God's committed to you. And maybe you don't know him or maybe you're on the fence. If that's you, he is totally in for you. 100% committed, sacrificially giving to you life. Life abundant. If that's you, I want you to make a, a move toward him. He's already done it all for you. 
And I just simply want you to say, say to Father God, God, forgive me of my sins, my rebellion. I want in. I'm going to follow you for the rest of these days. Now, yes, we're not bringing you up. We're not doing anything like that. Just, if you want to raise your hand quickly and say, I did that, just out of celebration, I did that and put your hand back down, praise God. I want to give you that opportunity here. I know most of you here are longtime followers of Jesus Christ, but if there's anybody who needs to recommit, anybody who's on the fence, anybody who's never made that step, you can make it now. Welcome to the family. God's given his son and his blood to forgive your sins that you might come into the family as an equal member of everybody else. I want to show you something, and I need a, a, a volunteer here. And uh, let's see. Would you volunteer for me? Uh, see, never sit in the front like that. It's bad news. <laughs> Turn around. Face everybody. Now, this is the way God is. I just want to kind of end with this. This is the way God is. Now, if you can imagine this white sheet of paper, and, and it, this is everything that you have, okay? Let's just make believe it has a long, long list of everything that you've got on there, whatever it is. Okay, your time, your talent, you know, your resources, whatever you got, money, or things. It doesn't really matter, okay? This is, and, and this is how God gives, okay? So, now, all you've got is this, everything that's on this piece of paper, right? How many corners are on that piece of paper? Trick question. No. Four. Very good. See, someone's sharp here. Two people sharp, okay? <clears throat> now, here we go. Now, God says... Give me back a piece. Okay? So here you go. So just take a corner. Yeah, you, you've got all the rest. It's all yours to do whatever you want with. Manage it. Do what you want with it. Okay? But he took it. How many corners you got now? How many? Five corners. You had four corners. God gave God peace. Five corners. Now, now let's, let's continue on. God says, well, you know, just don't give like one or two percent. Give me your, your time as well. How many corners you got now? Six corners. You started out with how many? Four corners. Now you have six corners. That's a pretty good deal. And all you've given is your time and your talent. Okay. Okay, so it's just taking your time and your talent and maybe some of your connections. And how many corners you have now? Whew. Started out with four. Now you got seven. And of course, you're now we're going to say, ooh, here we go. Maybe a little tithe coming in here somewhere. So we took four corners. How many corners do you have now? Eight. Eight corners. So you doubled it. Now, what kind of deal is that? Anybody who's in finance, come on, give me a break. You know, you start with four, you get eight. That's a good deal. That's how God gives. When you give to him, he gives back. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.